Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we're your hosts. Today, we are joined by Javade Bay uh, to talk all about STIs, everything you ever wanted to know. Uh, or as much as we could cover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting because I realized, like, um, as I've gotten further into the kink community and sex-positive community and just my own exploration um, and even exploring with partners and partnership, I don't know a lot about STIs. And most of my education surrounding them was very scary. Yeah, that's all my... I'm still learning. Uh, I think you're further ahead than I am in it. Yeah. But like, yeah, like the only thing I think of is like, oh, don't... Ba- bad, don't get them. Yeah. Uh, you'll never be able to have sex again. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's even stuff like as I've had these conversations, I was actually having lunch with a friend and we were talking about STIs and I brought it up. And they were saying like something that I don't think came up in this podcast, but that like... If you give oral, um, that like you 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 shouldn't brush your teeth for a while after because you don't want to get anything on your toothbrush, and that it's uh, like you can get stuff in the sores of your mouth. Like if you brush your teeth, you can you can open a sore and it can get into your bloodstream, and that's that's the problem. So wow. you're supposed to you're supposed to wait. And I was like, nobody's told me that before, you know. And I was also talking about like I've never been asked if I needed like an anal swab or a throat swab, Mm. like which is absurd in terms of comprehensive healthcare. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah. It should be part of it every time. It should be part of the con. Yeah. yeah, The conversation of like, yeah, great. You want STI STI testing. Uh, Let's talk about what that looks like and what are you actually interested in knowing? And, and are you, know, are you you symptomatic? Um, If you're not great, like this is the standard that we test for. When I went into my general practitioner, um, I I remember I had a huge eye opening experience, which I've talked about before on this podcast, but like I asked for STI testing. They took blood work and they only tested for HIV. Right. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like in what universe do you think I'm coming in and all I'm concerned about is HIV? Like Mm -hmm. that, that is so inappropriate to me and just like, you know, not doing the full scope of your job. And also, you know, to put the responsibility on me, like, it showed me that I need to stand up for my own sexual health and and be like, no, this is what I need and Mm -hmm. this is what I want. And I am out asking you to to do these different things. And now that I know about all these other things, you know, whether they apply to me or not and going in and being like, hey, I now know exactly what I want and now you can give it to me. Yeah, it seems like if someone was only interested in getting tested for HIV, they would go and say, hey, can I get tested for HIV? Sure. Not not can I get an STI test. Right. Right. Yeah, right. It can be explicit there. But. Yeah. And, and we even talk on this episode, you know, she's a millennial expert, sexpert, excuse me, um, who's absolutely delightful and like such a kind, generous, hysterical human being. Um, but we talk about, you know, like the limitations of Western medicine and sort of the way that they approach sexual health um, and the conversation. And so I think that that's something that we really need to move forward. Um, and in upcoming episodes, we talk about, you know, a lot of that in, 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 Western health and, and medical school in particular. But but I do think that this is an area that really needs to be explored and, and, and pushed further in our knowledge and our conversation. 
Yeah, I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah, so I'm excited uh, to be a part of it and and to share um, some concrete information that's hopefully helpful. Yay! I'm feeling yummy head to toe. You see me. Yay! Welcome to Finding My Yum. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, today we have Jave DeBay, millennial sexpert, um, which is just a friggin' good name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and thanks for connecting. Where are you located? Um, right now I'm in Philly. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited. And you're on the uh, Sex Positive Universe for Women Facebook group. Yes. Yes, which um, I talk about all the time. It has really tremendously impacted my life. And it's so cool that I get to just meet so many women, um, you know, like amazing women and connect with them through this podcast and just through the actual group. And so I don't know if your experience has been similar, but it's been super cool. You know, I love that group. And like ever since like becoming a part of it, like, oh, it's it feels so good to have this kind of space. And it's just amazing. And I'm so happy that Isabella created it and that I'm a part of it and also a moderator in it. It's just wonderful. Are you a moderator? Yeah. Oh, cool. Did you know Isabella before the group or did you, you just, know. Yeah. Um, we met like through the group, a friend added me to the group and then it just happened to be right when she was asking for moderators. And I was like, oh, cool. yeah. Um, what does that entail as a moderator? So I'm just one of the people that like uh, can approve posts, approve like pending members, but also like whenever like somebody's like, hey, can a moderator like check in on this and like offer like some like mediating and things of that nature, but also just like being like a good place of a point of reference for like someone to like actually do emotional labor and things of that nature, just especially on topics that aren't always like the most comfortable for everybody to like have respond to directly. Um, Especially in like my position of being like a sex educator, it's like a really great position to be in because like, I don't have to like be like, wait, can someone else answer this? Like I usually have an answer for things. Comfortable and confident in answering questions. Amazing. Um, Well, cool. Where are you from? Let me hear a little bit about it. So originally, (laughs) I am from the East Coast originally. I was born in D.C., grew up in Maryland, and then I went to college in Virginia. I'm like the epitome of a DMV girl. Um, (laughs) And then- I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? It means D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) I was like, you go to the- to get your car or like, like your, your license, license worked out. <laughs> right. No. Um, so I'm a DMV girl and I went to undergrad in Virginia. I went to James Madison University. And when I graduated, I like up and left and moved to LA. I um literally moved to LA three days after finishing undergrad. I was nice. like, I'm only in town still because I got to see Beyonce and then I'm gone. Um, As one exactly does, what right? I did. Yeah, like I'm only around for the Queen Bee. Everything <laughs> else is irrelevant. Um, but so I moved to LA and I was working in entertainment um, for three years. I started off at a talent agency working in the digital oh, department. Cool. Nice. And I, I like, I learned by doing, so I was like, okay, if I'm going to work with digital creators, I should better understand what it means to be a digital creator. So I started a YouTube channel um, to understand what they do. And so I could be better at my job and people seem to like it by people. I mean, like my five friends were like, oh, I love this. And they were like, keep doing it. And I was like, (laughs) okay. Um, And then eventually they were like, talk about sex, talk about sex. Cause naturally I just always talked about that. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good topic, you know? <laughs> and so then I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and I'm bisexual, and so I was um, 
starting to talk about sex and I was like wait mm, I can't actually talk about like safe sex as a bisexual woman because I don't know what safe sex with another like female or vulva owning partner actually means I was like oh totally. dang man if I don't know that means other people don't know so I was like <laughs> I gotta figure this out I gotta learn so I started like learning teaching myself on my own getting a better understanding of sex and sexuality and then i had a couple of friends um who are actually in the sex positive universe facebook group who are they were in the same program that i'm currently in for graduate school it's at widener university it's um, a, a master's in sex education oh um, cool and so I was like, oh my gosh, wait, no, I have to do that. So like once I found out about it, I was like so close, like the application deadline. And I was like, we're applying. I just like, I'm one of those people that just like jumps off a cliff and does something. And like, I love that. it. <laughs> um, so I applied, I got offered an interview and I was like, I'm going to fly out for this interview with what money I live in LA. I don't have excess money. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Nice to be. I got accepted. And then I was like, yeah, now I'm going to move back to the East Coast. <laughs> um so then I up and moved again to come back here um, totally. to the program and it's amazing I love it I love continuously like learning more information but also like crafting how to incorporate the power and tools of media in sex education because it's the most accessible thing in our day and age um but not everybody knows the best ways to use it to like actually disseminate information so I want to use it to properly disseminate information on sex education oh, I love that um okay I want to get more into that but I'm curious what was your undergrad degree so I was a dual degree I got an uh BS in hospitality management because my grandfather said that my BA in entertainment was not going to get me a job okay <laughs> You know, I have a degree in math and that still didn't get me a job. So <laughs> it's sort of like, okay, what really like applicable skills are we learning? Um, yeah. Uh, cool. And then, so was, I guess I'm, I, we could talk about this a little later too, but as far as like your personal journey with, um, with like your own sexuality and education like how has that transformed in this this evolution of you know starting out in LA and even before then on the east coast and then deciding to make it a career and then putting that into practice in your own life it's been an interesting time like growing up like I would definitely say I was more like the freakier friend but by freak okay I mean, like I was like doing oral and like hand jobs so, like I sure. wasn't having like penetrative sex with partners because I was like oh my god no I have to wait for love and that whole beat. oh my god me too totally <laughs> the Disney princess um, yeah right and so like it was like it was a weird thing because I was so like I was comfortable talking about it, but I wasn't necessarily having like the typical definition of sex as in penis sure. and vagina sex or anything like that. Yeah. Um but I was having like girl on girl sex okay um, but I was like I'm a virgin and then I and now in adulthood I'm like okay you were having sex so early on what were you talking about totally yeah well also that word virgin is like it's so confusing it's you know BS. yeah it's such bullshit um, but so it was like, I was comfortable talking about it. And then finally, when I got to college by my sophomore year, I was like, okay, this whole waiting for love thing is complete BS. Like we're done. We're done. I was like, <laughs> we're doing this. Everybody makes this sound like the funnest thing in the whole wide world. I want to experience <laughs> sex for myself. So I went off the deep end and I did it. And we first go round. Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. Not good. 
oh, it's so terrible. I and like, know. I lived in my sorority house. <laughs> and so to make sure. What sorority were you in? I am, I was in Delta Gamma. Oh, and I'm like, so, Okay. Yeah. I, um, I was like, because it was going so bad, I was like, I need to make sure we're doing this right. So I like left him in the room and went to the only <gasps> sister that I knew actually had had sex. In the I, like, middle? Woke her up in the middle. <laughs> I woke her up and I was like, hey, I just want to know if I'm doing this right. Like, I don't, this isn't like what I thought it would be. So like, is this right? Oh my um, God. And she was like, uh, it sounds like he has whiskey dick, so it's not going to work at all. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so I went back and we were like, how about we just like sleep? And then we woke up and we went again, tried again in the morning, still terrible experience. It wasn't. It Try. wasn't fun Try. at all. Um, and then I like drove him back to his dorm. Um, <laughs> and and then oh I was like, God. okay, well, we can only go up from here. <laughs> we like, started um, pretty low. So yeah, we started low. And from there I did. And we only went up from there. There were a few like it was some ebb and flows to it, but it just got better. And then um once I left uh, the East Coast and moved to LA. It truly became like a whole like, oh, I know what I like. I'm oh. vocal. I'm gonna use my voice. Um, and I was like, and there's no shame in this game. I'm not waiting for a relationship. I'm not feeling like you have to be tied down to somebody to actually have sex. Like, I'm have sex because I know I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna have sex that I like, and I ain't gonna feel bad about it. And I did that, and I was like, heck yeah. Isn't that a crazy concept to like do the things that make your body feel good in a safe way and like tell people what you want? <laughs> yeah. And now that's like all I do. Like I work in a sex shop while I'm in grad school. You do? Like, yeah. Cool. And I worked in one in LA as well. And I've always like now I'm just like, no, talk like you gotta figure out what you like and then you need to practice being vocal about it. Like it we're as women and fems we're so like taught and ingrained to be like we're here for the, their Quiet. pleasure and only yeah. their pleasure or not going to say anything. And I'm like, no, that's BS. Pleasure is a two-way street. Everybody got to get it. So talk about it. And I'm right. everybody's like, just talk about it with your partner. I'm like, no, talk about it with everybody. Because if you just try and have a conversation with your partner, you're not going to be comfortable talking about it. Like you're totally. going to get nervous and you're like, I don't want to make them feel like bad. Like they're not doing their job. Like <laughs> yeah. talk about it with everyone. So it's so much easier for the conversation for anybody to have. Well, and you get to figure out like what other people are doing. Yes, like, <laughs> like someone else is a completely different like imagination than you. Like yeah. talk to your girlfriends and your guy friends and your best friends and everybody else in between <laughs> because they are probably in the bedroom doing some really fucking different weird kinky shit and you're like, awesome. Wait, I've never thought about using that to do that in that oh, position. Yeah. Let me like, try it. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> amazing. Uh, so, okay. So let's, so the big focus today is going to be STIs um, and everything around it. And so I guess I just love to talk about like, there's so much stigma around all of it, right? Yes. Like, um, and because it's connected to sex. And so I guess I just like to dive in of like, what, what what are some like misinformation that we can start to dispel right now? So the biggest misinformation is the idea that like only people that like are promiscuous or slutty are gonna get SCIs. No, literally <laughs> over like eighty percent of the population between eighteen and twenty five is gonna get an STI. Like it's that's just the math of it, and it's so common. But also 
all STIs are manageable or curable. And everybody's like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. And it's like, no, (laughs) it's not the end of the world. You just think that because pharmaceutical companies were like, oh, herpes, it's the end. So they can make more money off of you. And so it's like knowing from the jump, like it's so common that you don't need to have this like heart attack about it. Like so many people, I, me, so I found out that I was HSV positive. Do you, I can't even tell you how dramatic I was. I was sure. driving back from brunch. So I'm drunk when I found out. <laughs> and I like made Mimosa drunk too, which is like a particularly elevated drug. <laughs> yes. And so I like had my friend like stop the car. I was like, let me out. I can't be back anyone anymore. <laughs> and I like walked over a mile back to my apartment crying on the street Aww. that I found out that I was, that I had herpes. And I was like, this is the end of everything. All right. right and then I like calmed down and I like called like five different friends um who all were so amazing literally every single one of them was like okay well first of all calm down you're screaming and crying in the phone um (laughs) you're okay it's all good like the world is not ending like no one's gonna find you less attractive because like you're good you're still gonna have sex and it's gonna be fine totally um and so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll react it. And then I like went back and like saw my doctor in person and talked to that. My doctor was like, truly like, this is so manageable. And also like the first outbreak, yes, that was terrible, but like, you don't have to worry about this, like being that intense anymore. Like you're going to be golden. And I was like, wow, I feel so much better. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about HSV in particular. What, how is it manageable and what are the things that people don't know about it that you know are contributing to this this deep stigma particularly around this virus because it is quote-unquote not curable right yeah yeah um so the biggest things is like so there's two different strains which a lot of people think that hsv1 is just oral herpes and hsv2 is the genital herpes but you can get oral or genital from either strain um it doesn't stick to either one which a lot of people are like oh my gosh so the moment someone hears hsv2 they're like oh my god this is the end i have genital herpes but it's like no that's not always the case like just just depending on the strain doesn't mean you have it in one location or the other right um but also knowing that if you have it in one um if you were to have genital herpes, you wouldn't also be able to contract oral herpes. Like my, that was the first thing my doctor told me. They're like, you can't get one, like once you have one, you can't get the other in a different spot. Like, oh, I actually didn't know that. Right. And so it's like, okay, okay well, okay. Well that makes me feel like a lot calmer about it. Sure. Um, but then also, so it's manageable because like you get, um, you can either get medicine to take like before you feel an outbreak coming on, or right. there's a thing called suppression therapy, which okay. is a medicine. It's like similar to prep in the case, like the way that you would take it every single day, but you take it every day to like make it so that the, um, so that the virus isn't like very, so it doesn't like pop up like very regularly. It's not and presenting. Also, like, yeah. And it that's diminishes shedding, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what you have to do. Like, if for um, vulva owners with uh, herpes, you have to do suppression therapy if you plan on getting pregnant, so that way you don't pass it on to your children. Got it. Um, 
so it's like completely manageable in that regard also just with like communication which is like the biggest part of all sti and safer sex it's the communication aspect like actually having these conversations up front with partners to be like hey so i have hsv1 hsv2 uh, i haven't had an outbreak in this long but there are methods we can take to like prevent um transmission if that is something that you're worried about like using dental dams um definitely using like condoms or internal condoms and things of that nature just the communication aspect completely changes it but everybody thinks like oh my goodness like i think when you hear herpes you just imagine that someone's always walking around with genital herpes <laughs> sure. and you're like that's they're like how- one big herpes yeah and it's yeah. like that's not how it goes most people have their initial outbreak and then they like don't have another outbreak for the rest of their life yeah um which well, is and big thing there are about. statistics that like we all have it. There's a lot. We have it dormant lying in our system, yeah. right? It's just not it's detectable. So common. That's right. also why they don't recommend that they do like a te- like a when you go in for SCI testing and get like a blood test done. They don't recommend also testing that for herpes because so many it will show up in so many people's things. But if you've never had an outbreak, that initial outbreak, it's kind of like it's not an active virus in you, right? Um, but so many people just are like, oh my gosh. Um, that's why they say if you're going in for STI testing and you have like a lesion or a sore on your genitals or around your mouth, that's what they swab to see if it's actually herpes, not your blood, because that just creates this like panic and worry and people oh, are so unnecessary. Sure. Yeah, actually, uh, I know somebody who just got tested and they, they did automatically test for HSV2, which I thought was interesting and then not to mention the results they like printed them out and they're relatively confusing um do you have information on how to interpret results because like they look fucking scary (laughs) yes um so i don't because like because there's it's like numbers to it and i'm like yeah i did not major in math (laughs) um and so i don't i like just like always just like prefer like my doctor saying like positive negative like right don't tell me right exactly Um, especially like that's also why i don't like the when you give it like the results back on a printed out piece of paper with right. the numbers and no explanation, it kind of is like, oh my goodness, but what, what does this right, mean? Right, right, right. Um, so, but I just like don't recommend anyone going in and saying, hey, I want all the STI testing, including herpes from this blood work because Got whatever it. you get back, if they're not going to, if you're not going in person to your doctor's office, they don't take 20 minutes on the phone to explain to you what that printout says. Exactly. Like, Here you go. And you're kind of like, I don't know. And then you run to like WebMD or Google. and Right. And you're like, I'm says. dying. <laughs> yes. I have cancer and I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just always like, if you have a sore or a lesion that you're worried about, you're like, this is not an ingrown hair. This is something right. else. Go to the doctor and get that swab to find out. But like, do not go in and like get the blood test because majority of the time, it's going to just either confuse you more or create this panic in you that you necessarily like don't have to panic over. Well, you don't right. have to panic at all because it's completely manageable, but like. Right. Well, and um, I mentioned this before in the podcast, but the, there is literature too that it is a part of the um, the chicken pox virus, right? It's like mm-hmm. a similar strain. And um, it presents itself when your immune system is compromised. Yes. Um, but there are theories that like people who survived the bubonic plague had HSV. Have you heard this? No. Yeah, that people who had HSV in their system survived the bubonic plague. And part of it is because HSV presents itself to help you fight off, uh, you know, incoming viruses or infections or whatever, because it wants to keep the host healthy. And so it is actually an asset in some aspects. 
Yeah, I've heard like that in that way. I've never heard about it with the bubonic plague, but yeah. I definitely know that it like as a virus, it's like, wait, no, you're getting sick from this other thing. Like, wait, let me activate so that way this other thing gets kicked out. So yeah. that I can stay here. Um, <laughs> right. So like, yeah, I'm like, I feel like I don't get as sick as often because I have HSV and it's like up. Hey, hey, I don't want you to get the flu, so we're gonna fight that off. <laughs> we're gonna keep you healthy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about um I want to get into the other STIs and what those look like too, but um you already brought up a little bit of safer sex practices. So what what does that include? I mean we know what the a condom looks like. That's um, something that, you know, we talk about a lot. But even with that, uh, what are good practices? Because I feel like figuring out which way it goes is confusing sometimes, um, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So the my first thing when it comes to any, like, safer sex practice is always the communication piece, like actually communicating, yes. um, which includes you being aware of things on your end, but also communicating um, – having an open, honest communication with your partner. So you taking the responsibility to get tested on your own, um, to know yes. your results and be open and honest about communicating those to a partner um, and open and honest and saying like where your limits are, like saying like, hey, I don't do oral without a condom or a gentle dam and like not wavering on those, which I know some people are sweet talkers and you're like, Okay. What they were like, but if this isn't what you want, then no, stick to stick to what you feel comfortable with. So if you're like, I only do oral sex with a dental dam, then be like, if that if that person don't want to get down with you because of that, you didn't need to get down with them because it was gonna be trash. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. So, I like actually. I said this is insane. I've always wanted to do this of like only having sex with people who had had an STI test, right, and knew their results. And I've wavered on that multiple times. And I was just with a partner, uh, like a newer partner, and they were like, "Okay, cool." And we just waited, and then he got tested, and then it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, I was so shocked. And I told a couple other people, and they're like, "That." makes sense and I was like oh mm -hmm. oh yeah being treated with respect and like having your boundaries honored is so nice right <laughs> what a concept <laughs> um, but that communication piece is like the biggest part of any any practice of safer sex that communication and then in like the like follow through of that and using like barrier methods and things of that nature knowing all of the options like we're just taught like a condom right which, like a condom only works on a penis or a toy like right. that's it and so knowing that there are ways to have safer oral sex with using a dental dam or taking a condom and turning it into a dental dam how do you do okay so can we talk about what a dental dam is because i've actually never seen one and i have no idea how to turn a condom into a dental dam <laughs> Um, to turn a condom into a dental dam, you take the condom. I wish I had one to show you. Um, <laughs> you cut the end off where the um, like ring is that you unroll it from. You right. cut that end off. You cut the tip off, and then you just cut down the middle. And it and when you open it, it's like a rectangle. And so oh, that's okay. what it is a dental dam is literally just like a rectangle sheet. Oh, like bed. a film. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it, like they come flavored. The flavors are trash, but like, what you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it just like fits like perfectly like over the vulva or over the anus, um, for you to actually perform oral sex. Oh, I see. So it goes on the outside. It's not an interior thing. It's like an outside protection, protection barrier. barrier. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. an outside protection barrier, um, which can be used both on a vulva and an anus. Not like the same one. Use a different one, please. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> But it works for both types of oral play. Got it. Um, 
and then you can turn a condom into one if you don't have an actual dental dam on you. Um, but there are ways to have safe oral sex um, that you that no one talks about. People are just like, yeah, whatever. Um, condoms are it. And it's like, no, they're not. Also, the internal condom, which is a great way if you were with somebody that's like, oh, condoms don't work for me. They cut off circulation or X, Y, Z. What other BS excuse I can give you? <laughs> You got great, cool. You don't want to put one on. I got an internal condom. Um, so there's like so many different options. What's an internal condom? So it's uh the FC two. It's um uh I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. I have yeah. a YouTube video that I put up recently. Okay, there we go. One, but um, it's a so it has a ring on the inside of the like condom part that you would take and you squeeze it together. You push it all the way up through into your vagina, and then it like sits against your cervix. Oh, okay. The actual like condom part is like in the vaginal canal and then there's another ring at the outside that comes outside of the vaginal canal and goes over the oh um, okay yeah, like right outside of the vaginal opening um and so that way a partner can enter uh, you can be penetrated with a toy or a penis or hands and um and you're like covered on the inside without having to worry about it with like somebody else wearing a condom and does it cover the cervix too yeah okay, okay. But it also works because you can use it for anal as well as an anal oh. condom for anal because you can take that ring out and then slide it into the anus and keep the other ring on the outside. Um, and then you can use it that way. So anytime someone's like, I can't wear a condom, you're like, great. Well, I got an internal one, so we're good to go. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Even I though everyone with their, like, anybody, if anyone's still saying, like, condoms don't work for me in 2020, leave, <laughs> like, literally get up. Get Just, like, up. walk out. <laughs> Yes, because that's BS. Also, like, if you don't like the feel of condoms, go get Lifestyle Skins because they are amazing. They don't feel like they're there. And you can thank me later for the recommendation because I'm telling you, there's no reason to not use condoms. Yeah. Was there other, are there other um, safe sex practices for oral that we didn't discuss other than dental dams? No, so those are going to be the only ones just because there's nothing that you can, like, put on your tongue or anything like that. Sure. Um, so just dental dams or turning a condom into a dental dam are the best practices for oral, um, oral sex. If you're doing, like, digital or hand play, using, like, um, finger condoms, as I like to call them. Oh, like yeah. Latex gloves sure. are also really good, um, especially because, like, have you ever thought about how people don't wash their hands? So like, Oh, Yeah. Our hands are like, yeah, our hands and our mouths are some of the dirtiest places <laughs> ever. Protection, y'all. <laughs> Safe play, clean play. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, let's talk about other STIs to be um, aware of and some of their uh, stigma that's associated with them. So, um, the like most commonly talked about ones are going to be like chlamydia and gonorrhea right also because those are curable ones so people are just like okay yeah <laughs> i got chlamydia this one time but they gave me antibiotics so it's fine i'm fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um and so those are both like if you were to get, have chlamydia or gonorrhea they would give you a prescription of antibiotics to get rid of it and literally like you don't need to fret seven days no sex taking the drugs you're good yeah. um but a lot of people if they go to the doctors they usually don't get swabs done for those they just like um will do like a urine test right but you can actually like get gonorrhea in your throat 
Right. Um, so it's important just to like, actually, like if you're going in for STI testing to ask your doctor to do a swab of your throat. Also, if you participate in anal play, getting a swab of your anus because oh. STIs can go in, you can get an STI, contract an STI in your anus. And a lot of people are just like, I peed in a cup. We're good. I'm like, that did not check your butt. And there was like three dicks in your butt. So like, what are you talking about? That's so funny. I didn't think about that. That has never been something that I've heard at all. Right. And yeah. I'm like, especially like, it's wild to me that so many people don't talk about it because eating ass is like the thing now. And nobody's <laughs> talking about actually like getting like anal swab. Sure. Which like, I'm not, I'm not complaining about that, but absolutely. Even in like a, you know, like when you go to the gynecologist, I had to specifically ask for a throat swab and then they had to go and get like special permission, which is insane. But I didn't ask for an anal swab because I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I encourage anyone that like actually like involves in anal play of any kind to get sure. an anal swab because you can contract STIs and most doctors don't think about asking you that because I don't know. I feel like people are uncomfortable saying like, so do you like take stuff up the ass or anything like that? <laughs> I'm like, why are you uncomfortable about this? It's my ass. Like, right. it's fine. Yeah, it's another <laughs> orifice that can be very fun. <laughs> yes, it's, oh my gosh. Y'all, stretch some sphincters. Get up in it. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> um, okay, so gonorrhea, chlamydia, and then, um, so then let's talk about HIV and testing for that because that is a specific blood test, right? So HIV, you do have to get a blood test done for it. Um, in most places now, you can actually go and get like a rapid HIV test done where you get your results like within minutes. The one oh, thing wow. to know is that like HIV doesn't like present like a, like within two to three weeks, like most other ICs, like you actually have to take, it's like a longer period of time of incubation. Right. So uh, if you're going to go and you do engage in um, sex without a condom or an internal condom or anything like that, and you're like, oh, maybe um, I like you, there's a chance you interact with someone that already has HIV, um, then get going. I would recommend going like you can do the two months, the, I mean, the two weeks after that to do all the other STIs, but then going again, another, like a month after that, and then maybe another six weeks after the initial encounter as well just because it doesn't always show up like immediately and a lot of people think that you can just go in and get sti testing for the whole gambit after two weeks of sex and yeah. like you'll see it but that's not always the case totally. um so just being mindful of the time frames and going in and actually checking but also knowing because i feel like a lot of people still think that hiv is only happens in the gay community which is so false so anyone wrong. can contract hiv Right. Also, a lot of people think HIV AIDS, like one thing, it is completely right. different. HIV AIDS is what happens if HIV goes untreated and your autoimmune, your autoimmune system like completely breaks down, then you will move into AIDS, but it does not, you don't automatically get AIDS because you contracted HIV. So being mindful of that. Also just like being mindful that like, it's still, it is literally an STI that is right. manageable. Okay. everybody's like oh my goodness uh and it's like no i need you to calm down and i need okay. you to understand the whole situation also especially now with the drugs that are available prep pep like the overreaction is just like really ridiculous from some people I'm like there's so much available and people automatically jump to the worst case possible which i get like we, it has been like thrown at us from every angle that we think the worst thing possible but once you have the time to calm down realizing that so much has been 
so much science and progression has been made that it is not the end of your life. It is not a death sentence. Right. Which I think is the big fear. And in the media, you know, overwhelmingly it has been presented as you might as well just die <laughs> right now, right? So not the case. Like, there are so many people that have HIV and are living wonderful, healthy, happy lives. Like, people can't sell newspapers or, like, get you to watch the news if they don't tell you terrible stuff to frighten you. Right. Of course. Yeah. Sensationalism. Absolutely. Um, there are medications you can take to prevent beforehand. Isn't that correct? There's there's something on the market, something like that? PrEP is um, pre-exposure and there's a big word that I never pronounced correctly, so we're not going to say it, but PrEP is pre-exposure. So if you think that you might engage in sexual activity with someone that potentially has HIV, um, or you're just like, ah, you know, we don't ask people enough, so maybe I should just be covering my bases on my own, um, you can take PrEP. It's a pill that you take once a day, every day, um, and you are it limits, it minimizes your chances of contracting HIV and then there's PEP which is post-exposure so oh. if you were exposed to um sexual act- if you had sexual activity or someone that does have HIV you can take that up to 72 hours after the um encounter and it will minimize the your contraction of HIV and so then if you get also are these things available over the counter or do they have to be you know uh, I want to say it, I want to say that yes and like no, no, no. Some states are moving to where PrEP is available over the counter. But okay. the majority of it, like, you do have to get a prescription. Got um, it. But it is, for the most part, like, any LGBTQ center is, like, really great. And if you go in and say, hey, I want to get started on PrEP, like, the process is usually very simple and streamlined. Um, and there's not too much pushback from doctors to be like, are you sure? And um, they're like, hey, we support you, like, trying to make this conscious decision of wellness. Right. Um, and then, so when, if you have a HIV positive, you can stay HIV positive, like you were saying, forever, theoretically, right? Like with medication now, it can, that can just be present, but it, it doesn't contract into actual AIDS. Yeah. No, it doesn't have to progress into AIDS at all. If you are actually um, taking your medication and like being mindful of everything that you need to do. Um, It's people that like end up contracting HIV and don't actually go to a doctor and find out about it. And like they aren't taking the medications they need that then their autoimmune system um, deteriorates and then they move into AIDS. Got it. Um, Are there other STIs that I don't know about that should be tested for? The other two are, um, the big two are HPV and syphilis. Oh, right, right, right. right. HPV (laughs) is human papillomavirus, which um, usually uh, penile owners, males, don't show symptoms of HPV. Can they be tested? Is this new? No, you could, everyone can get tested for HPV. It's just that, um. What? That's, what? That's been a thing for a lot years like that men couldn't get tested but now they can get tested like it's um because you so it can be i'm trying to think because i literally just had a test about it um how <laughs> they can test for it um because you can do it through a urine test but also for most um vulva owners they would do during your pap right. smears when they would do right. it but um you could get it through a urine test you can see um so that would be like particular strains so penis owning people could potentially I wonder do they just not then is that just not a thing 
that is tested for? I wonder if you have to ask specifically. Most STI testing doesn't actually, you have to like say um, addition. Cause like if you were to just go into like a gynecologist's office and ask for STI testing, majority of the time, like um, they will just do a urine and a blood test. Um, right. Like, uh, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and then HIV and syphilis. Right. But a pap smear specifically addresses HPV. Um, yeah. But so another thing is that there is um, a, uh, HPV is the only SEI that has a vaccine, which is the Gardasil vaccine, okay. which you can get up until I want to say that it, it's like 45. Like, even if you didn't get it when it first came out, you can still go and get it. Um, and it, and it protects you from, again, math, not my strong suit, a number of the different strains of cervical cancer that HPV can cause. Right. Which isn't all inclusive because there are other strains. There are yeah. other, but the the largest ones, like the most common ones, are the ones that it protects against. And um, it's available to everyone. Like it's not just for girls, not just for women. Everyone. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, which there was like a they did a commercial like um, run talking about it. I don't know if you ever saw them. It was the ones like, did you know, mom? Did you know, dad? Um, those commercials oh. with kids talking about how they contracted HPV and it led to cancer. Um, because oh. everyone can get the vaccine, but I, a lot of people, when they hear it, they think, oh, just girls, you get cervical cancer, yeah. but everyone can get it. Everyone should get this vaccine. Always get all vaccines, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, PSA. but that's like, cause especially because um, penis owners don't show symptoms. So it's like, right. this is a better way to prepare people for actual sexual activity is to go ahead and like do this up front because if they're not, at, so especially if they're not like regularly going and getting STI tested. Right. So. Right. Um, okay. And then syphilis. Yes. Which is like been, it's been making a comeback. Like it was gone for a while. And now it's like booming again. And like, I, hello, I'm still here. But it's also because syphilis is, um, so it's four stages. Um, and a lot of the symptoms in the stages will go away on their own before people even think to go to the doctor. So they're like, oh, okay, well, it came and it went, so I'm fine. And then you get to like the fourth stage and you're dead. Syphilis Whoa. can kill you. <laughs> right? It's like, oh. oh. Um, syphilis can kill you. So that's also why I recommend, like, regardless of if you're in a monogamous relationship, if you're not in a relationship at all, if you're just like, whatever, I recommend that everybody continuously get STI tested because things don't always show up, but things do pop up and then, like, you're like, before you even have time to schedule a doctor's appointment, it's gone. Do, do you have to specifically ask for syphilis or do they include that? That's usually included, included. in STI okay. testing. Um, but also, like, I don't, every doctor's a little different. So I, I always just like make sure to ask what, when I say I would like a STI testing, I always ask for the clarification of what they include with that because also people love to charge more capitalism. So not every <laughs> doctor's office is going to do every test because they're like, sure. this is, this costs, like it's not included. You have to get this one separate. Yeah. So I just recommend always asking like, and which ones do you actually test with this STI testing? Right. Um, but for the most part, most um, doctors that I have gone to, it's always included if I get like a full STI test. 
Well, and I what I think is kind of crazy around it, and I've had this issue at my primary care is saying I want STI testing and then me not being educated enough or forthright enough to ask specifically what they're testing for because I was assuming that if you ask for that, they're going to do across the board. Because to me, that logically makes sense of like, I'm interested in all of them. I don't want to just know HIV because... That's crazy. And so I've encountered that where like, you know, there's no follow up. All they did was test for HIV. And and to be like, why, why, why aren't we having a conversation? Why aren't you as a physician also preempting this and being like, okay, cool. What do we want to test for? Do you want all of these? Let's talk about what each one is just so we have an idea and an understanding. Yeah, no, the medical profession needs so much work in that regard because a lot of doctors do not, like, especially when, like, I first started having sex, I was like, I don't know what you, I don't know, just do the test. Totally! We'll see. Um, But, like, you need to, like, you you are that knowledge, that epicenter to talk about what actually all these different things mean. Because, like, especially, like, if you are an LGBTQ person and you don't necessarily engage in a certain type of sex, like penis and vagina and things of that nature, um, like, you wouldn't think to like ask, like, especially like in the regards to like anal play. If a doctor's not like asking these types of questions, like how would they like test properly? Like right. that's where like the medical profession needs to like actually like step it up in the exam rooms to be like, okay, you want STI testing, but do you want just vaginal? Do you need a sure. throat swab? Do you sure. need an anal yeah. swab? Yeah. But they don't. So that's where I come in and I'm like, here, let me tell you ask for all these things <laughs> and if they yeah. also if they push back on it and they're like i don't think you need that because some family doctors are like you don't have sex right um tell them <laughs> like okay so if you you say you're saying you won't test me for this well then when you put it will you make a note of that in my chart that you said no to this because then they're like oh, oh never mind i'll do it because i don't want right you don't want to be held accountable yeah totally um like if ever you go to a doctor that's like i'm not gonna do that for you tell them that you would like that recorded in your record and then go find a new doctor because they suck yeah (laughs) totally um yeah okay are there we covered i think we covered all of the stis right yes um gonorrhea syphilis hpv hiv herpes yeah Yeah. we did did it (laughs) should be like a new song Um, well, you're absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing all of this information. How do people find you and your YouTube channel with um, a bunch of more informational stuff on the millennial sexpert? Yes. So um, you can follow me on Instagram. I have two Instagrams. My personal one is Javeda Bay. Um, my sex education one is Millennial Sexpert. You can also find me on YouTube if you just search Javeda Bay or um, In Bed with a Millennial is my YouTube series that talks about <laughs> all things sex. Um, Amazing. And then uh, I have a Twitter and I don't actually talk about sex education on Twitter. I tweet about how I really would like to go to bed. <laughs> but everything's <laughs> just Javeda Bay. Um, Got it. And I literally am always open in my DMs. If you have more questions, like oh. I am here to be a resource, especially like a free resource because not everybody has excess funds and totally. uh, somewhere to turn to that's like legit, that's not just Google and Wikipedia. Um, and not What's- once you graduate, what do you what, do? You know what you plan to do, or do you have an idea? So there are some stages. I eventually want to open my own sex shop. Um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! 
I can like have my own classes and workshops, um, but also be like a source of pleasure for people. Um, yeah. And later down the line, I do want to become a sex therapist, but Got that's it. more school and mama needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. It's a lot. Um, well, amazing. I can't wait to be along for that journey. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your time and connecting across the country. This is so great. Of course. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. I feel so knowledgeable now. Yeah. Thanks for all the information. Always be learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's so fun too. I just had so much fun talking with her. She's like a ball of fun energy too. Um, uh, so much joy. Um, uh, as always, please um rate, rate review, us. subscribe. Yes. Uh, share it with. 126 people this week. Moving that number up. <laughs> They're moving up. If ever, listen, you if criticized my, it, my, my number before last week or the week before. And so now I'm going ham. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, yeah, share. Follow us on social media at Finding My Own Podcast on Facebook us. and Instagram. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump on you. <laughs> I thought you were giving me the cue to jump in with the email. Was I? Yeah. That's cute. Okay, so email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. We've gotten emails. Yeah, yeah so many. So many. Yeah. Um, oh, we really have. And um, it's been exciting. So, yes, please continue this conversation. We also, like, we want more guests for sure. And we have so much exciting content coming up. But I, I also want to hear how you feel. Like, you know, the stuff that we're talking about, if you're interested in other conversations. Um, yeah. Check in. Tell me your tell me your stuff. Let's see, let's see how tell let us, us know you how think. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>